Crawford reveals that Buffalo Bill keeps them alive for three days. They're not sure why. There's no evidence of rape or physical abuse before death. And then he's after, done with love. Kills them with love. And then after three days, he shoots them with love, mm-hmm. skins them with love, and mm-hmm. dumps them with love. Not actually, but maybe. I don't know. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films. So, to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some very popular films, I am on a quest to change that. However, I am never on this quest alone. This week, once again, I am joined by my good friend and fellow actor, someone who has a lot of film knowledge on film acting and film history, Daniel Chavez. Daniel, how's it going? I'm doing all right, mate. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm sure a lot has changed since, you know, since, we yeah. stopped recording on the last episode. Well, good. Yeah, I had a pizza today. That's news to everyone. Not that anyone cares, but there you go. There we go. That's That's what has changed in the world in the last... 10 minutes. Yep, there you go. So, wonderful. Well, it's been a week for the listeners, but where we have left off, we are talking about the Silence of the Lambs. Now, before we get into it, Daniel, obviously because you are a returning guest and, you know, we already asked you what your background is on this film. If you had to pick Mm -hmm. one character in this film to potentially play, like... If you were to place mm-hmm. yourself in the film, who would you play? Who do you think that you would play? I want to touch that. He's just too good and too fucking brilliant yeah. in this film that you go like, Hannibal Lecter in my mind is always going to be Anthony Hopkins. Cool. I think if I could look like Jodie Foster... I I would be a, a great Clarice. There you go. I think, you know, makeup can do wonders. Yeah, there you go. Oh, by the way. He's about six foot two, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, a, you're a good ways taller than I am. Yeah, I'm perfect costume for Clarice, mate. Yeah. I should be doing it. I think so. I think it works better if you play Hannibal and I play Clarice. I'm 5'5". Five five. It could be, yeah. But... You cannot touch Anthony Hopkins. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah, answer. I think I'll be Clarice. Nice. I, li- I like that one. Fair play. Fair play. Well, so where we just left off, Clarice yeah. was in a shed somewhere in the outskirts of Baltimore at a storage unit. And she has just come across a head. And we know nothing about this head other than, you know... It's in this place suggested by Hannibal. Yep, that's all we know about this head. So so let's go back to our lovely chess match. Mm -hmm. Because Sterling goes straight back to see Hannibal. And immediately she asks if Hester Moffat is an anagram. The rest of me. And then I like went through it and I was like, oh, it does fit. Mm -hmm. Like it does actually fit. She figured out that he opened the garage. He opens the transfer tray, and inside of it is a white fabric of sorts. 
couldn't quite tell what it was right away. Sterling reaches in and grabs it, breaking rule number something. Mm -hmm. I've lost track at this point. It's just a towel to dry her hair. But Sterling, you're not supposed to accept gifts from Hannibal. that's going to help her solve the case it's it's just a courtesy and she just takes this random towel that could be filled with anything and uses it yep 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 as you would yeah fair play sure maybe this is why she's successful in at least a little bit because he because she treats him with the same trust totally yeah she asks whose head is in the bottle. Thank you, I've been asking this as well. And instead of answering, Hannibal tells her to ask about Buffalo Bill. Says he might know something about him if he saw the case file. We then also learn that the real name of Moffat, or this head, is Benjamin Rapspell? Yeah. Raspell? Something like that. Sure, yeah. something like that. I'm going to call him Ben or Benjamin. Mm -hmm. So he was a former patient whose romantic attachments ran to the exotic. I didn't quite know what that meant. Did you pick up on what exotic meant? Because he definitely stressed exotic. Like slightly, he, he kind of put it politely. I think that's what he meant. Like, he might be into really fucked up sexual things. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, how I very politely in the last episode mentioned what Miggs did. Mm -hmm. He's mentioning it in a polite way of just saying it's exotic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Hannibal then says that he didn't kill Benjamin, but rather tucked him away as he found him. After Benjamin had missed three appointments. Mm -hmm. And this is where I was like, hold on. So like Hannibal, while he's this monster, at the same time, he's like, my patient hasn't shown up for three consecutive appointments. Let's go like make sure that the guy's okay. Mm -hmm. He sees that the guy's dead and de decapitated. But because Hannibal's this monster as well, he's like, I'm not going to turn him in. But like, I'll just keep him safe mm -hmm. and it's kind of this weird like little dichotomy of like you know it's it's nice that he went go to go looking for his patient but then when he found his patient he didn't do anything and so many of the conversations are quite like a psychological play and the one thing he keeps is the head so it's the whole idea that he has this interest in people's minds in people's heads which is why maybe why he kept it because he found him interesting sure yeah i don't i get the idea of keeping it interesting but i don't know it just it sits with you wrong and it's this moment where like you know i think it's nice though because you get to see that monstrous side of yeah. him a little bit that you do still kind of see but because he's so poised Mm -hmm. doesn't always come out. He plays the opposite. He plays him as a very well-contained and well-self-aware guy. Yeah. Which makes him more scary. Because you go like, you are nothing like you're supposed to be. 
you're supposed to be all crazy and you seem to be more sane than most people. Yeah. Definitely. So Sterling then asks the question, if you didn't kill him, who did, sir? And this is, again, what we've been talking about, just respect, right? Of despite everything that Hannibal has done, she still treats him with respect and still calls him sir, mm -hmm. still calls him doctor. Mm -hmm. And that might be why he's willing to talk to her because she just treats him with respect. Mm -hmm. She doesn't deny what he has done. He doesn't deny what he has done. But there's just a mutual respect of you're a person. I'm still going to treat you with respect, even though you've done terrible things. The fact that he's so well-educated and so, you know, cultured and all these things. She respects and values his head yeah. and his background. Yeah, definitely. So Hannibal says that he's not sure, but the therapy was going nowhere anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of just chuckled at. I was like, oh, he has a little bit of a sense of humor. It's twisted, but I'm here for darkness. Mm -hmm. Sterling mentions the dress and asks if Benjamin was a transvestite. And Hannibal says, in life, maybe, but Hannibal viewed him as an experiment, a fletchling killer's first attempt at transformation. And then Hannibal asks how Sterling felt when she saw him. And she reveals that she was at first scared, but then exhilarated. Interesting two emotions to feel. Mm -hmm. Not sure if that would be my reaction, mm -hmm. but it makes sense for the character. Mm-hmm. Is something that every character in, well, in every film, especially in this film, the idea of becoming something else as Sterling is becoming a FBI agent and Hannibal is becoming an assistant. Yeah. Usually on, on we'll the map. we'll get to the butterflies yeah, soon. Yeah, and I think the whole idea of transformation is constantly repeated throughout the film. And this is the, the first time it gets mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very consistent, what is the word for it? It's not metaphor, symbol? So, yeah. Something? Both. It keeps popping up. Yeah. I don't, off the top of my head, I'm blanking on what that term is. A theme. A theme. There we go. A theme. Words are hard. But it's a theme that keeps popping up. And it's a theme that is explored up until at least where I've seen. And probably for the rest of it as mm -hmm. well. I'm going to assume. So... Hannibal says that Crawford is helping her career and he likes her and that she likes him. Asks if she thinks Crawford wants her sexually. Does he visualize exchanges? You know, Sterling says, this doesn't bother me. It's the sort of thing Miggs would say. Again, until you explained it to me, I was very confused on who Miggs is. Mm -hmm. So in my notes, I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> She's very confused. And Hannibal just responds to this with a little cheeky smile and then says, not anymore. Mm -hmm. And like, he knows what he did. He's proud, he's of, what proud he of what he did. And again, it's that little monster coming out. And oh, I. Well, that has been a bit naughty. You know what I mean? He says it with a like, yeah, I, I did that. Yeah. I killed someone, 
because it's like, yeah, that happened. And it's this weird thing, right? Like, in that moment, I kind of saw the joy that Anthony Hopkins had as well. Like, just playing, playing that, role. that role. And I get that feeling, though, because I've played roles before in theater productions where I say very messed up things. Things that me as Anki, I know you should never say. But in a weird way, having the freedom to get to say it in a controlled environment like that to tell a story is very satisfying. Mm -hmm. Because like the roles where I'm playing a villain or I'm playing the perpetual bad guy and then I come out of the theater and like nobody wants to talk to me, I'm like, I did a good job. I can go home now. And I'm just like very satisfied with that. So, like, I get that, and it was just that cheeky smile. Like, I kind of felt like you could see, not only was he proud of what he did, but Anthony Hopkins was just truly having fun Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. So, the lights then come on in Hannibal's cell. So, this entire conversation was all happening in darkness, which I didn't even clock because of how compelling all of this was until the lights came on. And then we see that all the drawings are gone. And apparently they were all taken away as a punishment for what he did to Miggs. And it's the same with the little gospel program that's playing on the TV. When Sterling leaves, they turn up the volume all the way. And Sterling asks, what do you mean about transformation? We don't really get much, but Hannibal explains that he's been in the room for eight years. He knows that they will never let him out alive or while he's alive. And what he wants, though, is a view, a window where he can see a tree, maybe some water, wants to be in a federal institution away from Chilton. So we really understand, like, you know, he just misses some simple things. He's come to the acceptance, like, I'm never getting out. Because he's helping. He's letting her know what he wants. Yeah. And it's a clever way to propose it in response to her question about transformation. Mm-hmm. Of like, he's transformed from, I was the doctor and the psychiatrist, but now my role in society has transformed to this. Mm-hmm. I've kind of accepted it. I'm never going to get out. But this is what, if you want my help, I kind of need something in return. I'm not doing anything for free. So Sterling asks then what he meant by a Fletchling killing. And I was like, good point. I forgot about that. But like, what does that mean? We don't quite find out. Mm -hmm. But Hannibal says that he's offering a psychological profile on Buffalo Bill based on the case evidence and that he'll help her catch Buffalo Bill And Sterling realizes that Hannibal knows who Buffalo Bill is. Mm -hmm. And Hannibal says all good things to those who wait. And he has waited. But how long can Sterling? How long can Crawford? Buffalo Bill is probably already out searching for the next special lady. Mm -hmm. And then you have a hard cut. That's the end of that scene. Again, so captivating. I... I have nothing bad to say about most of this film, let alone any scene that these two are sharing together. 
to the film are Sterling and Hannibal. But everything goes around Hannibal. He gets mentioned a lot. Everything that happens basically happens because he said... And he's not around that much. about 20 something minutes of screen time and it's a two-hour film yeah so he's basically on it for literally not that much he's on it for maybe less than a quarter of the film something around yeah those like a fifth of the film or so maybe he's the puppeteer in many ways sure yeah he's always kind of lurking and i think the script does a really good job of that and like Mm -hmm. Well done to the script writers mm-hmm. for that as well. Because, yeah, it never feels like he's not around. And I think it's quite interesting to see how it never feels out of place. His appearances are always on time and for a very specific reason. He's never kind of in a scene just to show him do anything on his own. He's always around the case, about the case. He's always about solving Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I think I've seen three scenes. We'll get to the last scene mm-hmm. that I've seen with him. But I think this was the second scene that we've just yeah. seen with him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that I've seen one more scene. I don't remember seeing more than one unless I'm thinking that one is just a massive... Unless I'm thinking of it as one, but really it's two. But I'm pretty sure it's one more scene. But all of them feel like when Sterling goes to see him, like you said, there's a reason. And it moves the story forward. Exactly. A lot. Yeah. It's, hey, we've hit a roadblock in what we're doing. And we need your help. We need help. We need answers. Mm -hmm. So, but the hard cut is not to anything to do, well, everything to do, but also nothing to do with lovely Hannibal Lecter. But instead, we're in Memphis, Tennessee. We see a blonde girl driving down the road, singing along to a song that I just cannot place, but I think it might be called American Girl because she says that lyric about like four times. So we then see someone wearing a mask and he has nighttime goggles. He's watching the girl drive up to her apartment. Immediately, I'm like, hello, Buffalo Bill. So, the girl acknowledges her cat up in the window. Also, can I just point out, that's a very loud meow for that little cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Says, that's an excessively loud meow. She says that she will be right up in my notes. I'm like, haha, nope. So, as she's walking in, she sees someone struggling to put a couch in the back of the van. And I'm like, great, this guy is going to be Buffalo Bill. And he's about to kidnap her. And then I was also like, dang, he's pretty strong if he can lift a couch by himself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a couch. It was a love seat, but still impressive. So blonde girl, or as I'm going to call her now until we learn her name, Blondie, asks if she can help him. And Buffalo Bill says, thank you, tells her to get her end fully in. So hop into the truck and then he'll push it in all the way. And I was like, why does this girl already look like this feels sketchy and like i get that and i'm sure that she has heard the news of these killings and everything happening but also she's she always keeps glancing back at the door 
Like, what is she expecting to happen? Is she expecting someone to come out or something? Like, all we saw was that you have a cat that has an excessively loud meow. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. I don't, I don't know. It took me out for a minute because I was like, it kind of felt like she already knew what was happening before it happened. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Specifically, this film creates a very dangerous world for women and I think that everyone feels that in, in within this community that idea of of being constantly chased or constantly in danger it's because there's a killer loose um and because I mean in the case of this lady because of Buffalo Bill and in the case of Sterling because of everyone really so that idea of being constantly objectified I think or um profiled because of sexist reasons yeah yeah makes i think sense. it's transvestite previously and that idea of transformation that we were talking talking about earlier you know that idea of of maybe someone being gender fluid or, or all these things are a part of, of of the film um maybe maybe we'll see but yeah the idea of gender does come. I, I don't. I tend to not talk about these things that much, but in in this film, I think is really relevant. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is, and you know we'll talk a bit more about how it plays a role into the film in a bit. But yeah, it just was that moment. I get what you're saying in terms of showing how it's difficult for women and i think that in this in world, this world and i think the film does do it's difficult world. for them in both worlds but very much so in this world yeah in one that in which they're being profiled by a serial killer yep skinned alive you know things like that yeah not not a good time but yeah it just i don't know it felt like she knew too much already before what happens happens pretty much what happens they get the couch in buffalo bill asks if she's about a size 14 and then punches her knocks her out closes the doors to the truck and and they reveal that she was actually a size 14 they do reveal that it's a size 14 and like hey i'm just saying i know we're not supposed to like him buffalo bill is a terrible terrible human being but obviously he's very studied at his craft if he can eyeball a number that well no but also is the idea that he profiles them so well yeah proves to be true he knows what he's hunting and in a similar way to hannibal he's meticulous he Mm -hmm. plans ends women he Asks a question that you would ask at a shop, you know what I mean? Like, are you going to fit me? Yeah. Basically, which is really creepy. And he objectifies her to that point of the idea, are you going to be the costume that I need? I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. But I guess with you saying that and what we learn later on in the film, it does make sense. Maybe. and just A little bit, but... Transformation. Yeah, I didn't... See, I didn't think of it that way. I thought of it of... He profiles them so well. He has looked so much into this that he's able to tell, like, 
either just by eyeballing it or that he has done this research to know that this is what you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, I get that he's terrible, but he studied his craft. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. His craft is horrifying, but he has studied it. Mm-hmm. So he cuts off the dress and on his left hand, we briefly see two tattoos. We see a cross with four little dots at the intersection. Mm-hmm. And then we see the word love between his thumb and index finger. And I just thought that they were interesting choices of where to place the tattoos. Maybe they'll come up later. Otherwise, maybe why is it so pertinent in that shot? I don't know if it's just a tattoo that the actor maybe already has on his hands, because that's also a possibility. I have no idea. Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, say what you can without spoiling anything. Good no, luck. <laughs> and his hands say love is says a lot about how he feels about what he does he kills all these women with love which is in a way humanizes this killer in a way kind of gives you an insight into what he how he feels excited and feels loving by doing all these killings yeah yeah interesting you're making me think of it in a very different way and i appreciate that so Buffalo Bill ditches the dress. They drive away with the girl. And then we see her cat watch them drive away. And my reaction was, poor cat, not only did you just lose your owner, you ain't getting fed tonight. Yeah. I just felt bad for the cat. But anyway, we're back at Quantico. And we see Sterling holding a bag while people are boxing. And it's mainly men that are around her boxing. And then I think maybe there's one woman in the ring as well. And then Sterling's called outside, but just again, what we're saying of like, she's holding that bag, taking punches from all these men Mm -hmm. and it's been happening the whole film. It's going to continue happening. I hope that it gets better by the end of the film, but I don't know. I haven't gotten that far. So she gets called outside. We quickly find out that they are going to West Virginia and they have a Buffalo Bill situation. And I was like, this girl was kidnapped in Memphis. And then I also thought, okay, well, smart by Buffalo Bill, I guess. But also, like, I wonder if they know about this or they learned that the girl's from Virginia. Turns out they know this and this is, like, common for him. So they're entering Clay County, West Virginia. And I was like, oh, wait, Sterling's from West Virginia. I wonder if we get to learn more about her past during this trip as well. Crawford reveals that Buffalo Bill keeps them alive for three days. They're not sure why. There's no evidence of rape or physical abuse before death. Because he's done with love. Kills them with love. And then after three days, he shoots them with love, Mm -hmm. skins them with love, and Mm -hmm. dumps them with love. Not actually, but maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Let's say that it's all with love. Yeah, his idea of love. Yeah. Yeah. But he does all of this with love after three days each body in a different river and the river washes away any kind of trace, which is quite smart of him Mm -hmm. to use the rivers to help get rid of traces and things like that. Then we see a picture of Frederica Bimmel, who was the first victim, but the only body that he also took the trouble to weigh down. So she was the third one that was found. And then he got lazy after Mm -hmm. that and stopped weighing them down. So, 
we see a brief shot of a map where the bodies were abducted and found. We see three dots, which is the abductions, and we see one in Marion, Ohio, one pretty close to Pittsburgh, and one in South Indiana. And then they found a body in Please Ridge Park in Kentucky, which is not too far from Louisville, Kentucky, which is where I grew up. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I've never been to the park, but I was like, I know that state. (laughs) (laughs) So two were found in Indiana. One was found northeast of Pittsburgh. I don't know where the other body was dropped or Mm -hmm. where the other ones were found. But yeah, currently we're heading to West Virginia. So we have another one there. Crawford asks what Sterling sees, and she explains it's a white male serial killers tend to hunt within their own ethnic group very interesting i'm gonna go with that's factual i have no reason to think that it isn't but just an interesting thing to learn he's not a drifter he has his own house not an apartment because what he does takes privacy and he needs privacy and you can't do that in an apartment he's probably in his 30s or 40s he has a lot of physical strength with an older man's Mm self-control he is cautious precise he's not impulsive and he's gotten a taste for it and he's slowly getting better at his work which is quite interesting that they're getting help from someone that in many ways is very close to buffalo bill yeah i think the only description that i wouldn't say fits Hannibal in that it's the age because he might be a bit older not even the age because he might be a bit older but also like Hannibal could very easily be in his late 40s or Mm -hmm. in his 40s when this was happening Mm -hmm. he's been in prison for eight years so now he's in his 50s Mm -hmm. right so it's very possible that the age still fit I wouldn't throw physical strength Okay. On Hannibal. Interesting. Because it feels like Hannibal's power is more manipulation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what he's able to do with Migs without even being in the same room as him. So that's the one that I would think doesn't particularly fit Hannibal because we don't know how old Hannibal was when he was committing these crimes or for how long he committed these crimes without getting caught. Like, who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe we find out later. I currently do not know. So Sterling does have a question, though. And that Crawford hasn't mentioned anything about her report on Hannibal or Hannibal's offer. That's not a question. Crawford says he's considering it. And then Sterling asks if that's why he sent her in there to get his help on Buffalo Bill. That's a question. Mm -hmm. So Sterling says... That if that was the case, she just wished that she'd known. Fair fair enough. But then Crawford hits her back with, if I sent you in there with an agenda, then Hannibal would have known instantly. He would have toyed with you and tortured you to stone. In a very vulnerable position, without even knowing what she's actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. But while it might be messed up, I also see why Crawford hid that from her because Hannibal is the type of person that will know this from the get. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It doesn't mean it's ethically. Oh, it's not ethically. Okay. At all. (laughs) But 
Great timing that when Crawford finishes this, the car goes through a tunnel and it makes everything dark. I thought that was just a beautiful cinematic mm-hmm. moment. And then we end up at Greg's funeral home. Greg is spelled G-R-I-E-G. Mm-hmm. If anyone is wondering, interesting way to spell Greg. Mm-hmm. So we meet Sheriff Perkins, and he isn't thrilled that the FBI is here. But before he says too much, Crawford says in a whisper that this is something that they prefer to discuss in private. And then Perkins, Terry, who's a special agent, also with them on this little trip, and Crawford all go into another room, leaving Sterling in a room full of men who are all staring at her. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, do they know who she is? Because she's from West Virginia. They're all looking at her like, you're a beautiful woman. But I also had that underlying thought of, do they know who this person is? Mm -hmm. So Sterling looks through a door and she sees a funeral happening. And people are grieving and upset. And then she goes in, kind of like she sees someone that she knows. And walks up to the casket to see a man. And when she gets up there, we see a young Sterling. And that's when I clock, oh, this is the same place that her father's funeral happened. And her father died when she was young. Mm -hmm. We learn more about this in a bit. But it was interesting that it's in the same place. So it's legitimately the part of West Virginia that she grew up in. And I think it's interesting that it... It really kind of sums up her upbringing, you know. Her father was a law enforcer and and she decided to take a similar route, not as a sheriff, but as an FBI agent. And she's in the same place. And you can see, yeah, you can see the adversity that she has had to deal with, not only because of the place, but because of the uncomfortable starings and all these things. You can tell that she's got that drive that began at that one place. And now she's revisiting that moment that I think changed her life, which is when her father died. Yeah. Yeah. That moment definitely changed her life in many ways. Yeah. And we'll learn soon a bit more about that moment as well. They go back to the room and there are many things happening. People getting coffee, people setting up the operation, everything with this girl. That they found. So Sterling gets everyone's attention, thanks them for everything that they have done for this girl, and her folks would thank them if possible, but now it's time for them to leave. Let the FBI take care of her. Mm -hmm. And the officers all leave, including the sheriff. And it was just a beautiful moment of her just being like, I get that I'm the only girl in the room, but I'm the one with the power. Mm -hmm. It's that moment of transformation. I think it's the start of it for her. Yeah, that she finally starts taking her own her own space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's her finding that confidence. And in a weird way, I think Hannibal has helped her find that confidence. Yeah. Because if Hannibal's talking to her and giving her clues... It means that she's better than everyone else. She's... By Hannibal's standards. By Hannibal's she's standards. She's more deserving she's... of this information. Exactly. And, you know... She's starting to understand, no, I am deserving to be in the position that I am in. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So Crawford just looks proud almost. Mm -hmm. And then they mention that they're near the Elk River. So then they all apply this white powder under their noses. Do you know what that is? Yeah, that is for them to not smell 
the corpse. Oh, okay. Yes, I think it smells like mint, and you put it under your nose so you don't smell that decaying body, basically. Okay. Sure. It was also interesting that she specifically turned around, Sterling did, away from the men in the room to apply it. Yeah, it's a moment of privacy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then... It's brilliant acting as well. Brilliant acting. I have no idea if that was a directing choice, an acting choice, but it was a brilliant moment of just, okay, I'm going to do something that's a little more intimate. Like, it's not... When you think of it, like, just touching your upper lip mm-hmm. isn't a very intimate thing to do, but for her, it felt like it was, and it was just a beautiful moment where she turned away. And before we look at this corpse, we're going to take a quick break and then come find out what we learn about a dead body. Pom, pom, pom. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the intermission. I hope you are all enjoying this episode of Post Finale. If you would like to support the show and gain access to some more bonus content like my notes or bonus audio you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Any of the money that is made from the Patreon will go directly back into the show as well to help make it a better show. And if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell the friend about the show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch more movies. Check out this new podcast. The host tends to have funny ideas and funny takes on what's about to happen next. Talk about us on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, whatever podcast app you use to listen to the show. All of these things help and I appreciate all of you that have done this or will do this in the future. And I'm just very thankful that you've joined us for this episode. So let's get back to it and continue the discussion of the Silence of the Lambs. So we open up the bag and we view the girl's dead body. Sterling turns and looks at the body and says, Bill? Mm -hmm. I think she says Bill. It's kind of weird. I didn't really know why she said it. I don't know. But... She then starts explaining some things. Star-shaped contact, entrance wound, muscle stamp at the top, wrongful death. But Sterling throughout this looks terrified. Yeah, she said Bill because she thinks it's Buffalo Bill's victim. Oh, okay, okay. Well, but didn't they know that when they were coming here? Isn't that the whole reason that they came here? Yeah, but maybe she's doubting it. You know, they're kind of be scanning, you know, because he has such a particular way of killing people. They're going to be examining the body to see if he has developing any new tendencies or he's doing anything different. So I think that's her starting to question whether this actually is Buffalo Bills' work. Okay, okay. But I think it does become pretty clear that it is. Yeah, yeah. But she also does look terrified as she's kind of going through this. But also, I guess it's her first corpse, her first real life corpse that she has seen. So makes sense. It does make sense. But she also notes that this girl isn't a local. Her ears are pierced three times. She's got glitter nail polish. You know, two fingernails are broken. Dirt and grit. So she tried to claw her way through something. We're not sure what. And again, her level of detail, which I think any detective in the FBI probably will have. Mm-hmm. But it's just beautiful to see it coming out 
Sterling sees a picture of the victim's mouth because this whole time Terry is taking pictures of the victim and we see black spots on her tongue and Sterling realizes that there's something in there and the local is it like the local doctor who's the other guy in the room great so the local doctor says many times leaves or something get in the bodies when the body is pulled out of the water makes sense leaves and stuff are also in rivers so Terry looks and pulls out a bug cocoon and it takes him like a good 15 to 20 seconds to pull out this bug cocoon and it couldn't have gotten in there unless someone shoved it in so Sterling then takes the cocoon and the container that it's in fills it up with some liquid probably for preservation Mm -hmm. is what I assumed while the others work on flipping over the body on the back of the body there's different types of cuts and configurations and kind of like it's a massive scar having angel wings on the back they describe it as diamond shapes but it kind of looks like if someone had like angel wings on the back and i think it's because i watched i watched a bit of lucifer i think i've seen like the first three seasons of it and in one of the episodes like he gets his wings back or something and it's like kind of a similar pattern that's like his scar on his back what i thought when i saw it it was because my background here my girlfriend works in fashion and uh the cuts really resemble when someone wants to make a costume the way they cut fabric it really made me think of of her being treated like like fabric oh yeah her being treated like a like a cow basically like cattle so that's what i thought but the angel thing actually may be part of it the idea that she was innocent and that she did not really deserve to do these to to have you know being killed yeah possibly yeah so you kind of had this idea of costuming and yeah the idea of her being used as the the material cool yeah yeah i i didn't have any thought of that i just thought it was just like yeah something of innocence or something of angel wings Mm mm-hmm And so I just thought angel wings, but very interesting. So the skin has been removed as well on her back. And then back in the car, Crawford says that he realized that when he told the sheriff that they shouldn't talk in front of a woman, it burned Sterling the wrong way. And I didn't realize that's what he whispered, but Mm -hmm. sure, I guess. Again, I didn't have subtitles to help me out on what was being said. And it was a quiet thing because it was a whisper. So, Crawford does say it was smoke. He had to try to get rid of the sheriff. And Sterling says that it still matters. Cops look at him to see how to act. It matters. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Sterling. Mm-hmm. I like that yeah. she's standing up for herself. Yeah. She's like, look, Crawford, I get why you did what you did. But it's not okay. And I think it's really interesting that this happens at the same time they take out the cocoon. Because I think that at this point, you start to feel that Sterling is changing. Yeah, she's she's in her transformation. Yeah. She's, she's gaining more confidence. Yeah. And I think Sterling's transformation is that she's gaining more confidence in herself and mm-hmm. in the world that she is occupying. Yeah, agreed. So we're now... In D.C., by the way, the car has gotten us to D.C., which makes sense if we're in West Virginia, mm-hmm. depending on where we are. I'm not sure where exactly, but D.C. is not too far away from West Virginia. So 
short, and we're at the DC, I'm going to assume Natural History Museum because of all the dinosaurs. I'm not fully sure. But Sterling is alone, and we see two guys playing checkers with beetles. Sterling asks if the beetles move one of the men. Does it count? The first guy's like, of course, how do you play? I'm just confused on what they're playing and what the rules are. I'm intrigued, mm-hmm. but I'm confused. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> and the second guy recognized her, and immediately I'm like, what's your relationship? But I could tell... Just based on the fact that he recognized her immediately as well. Mm-hmm. They have some history together. There, there's some relationship there. She shows them the bug cocoon. And the guys put together pretty quick as they're like walking to their back room and their like lab. That this is about Buffalo Bill. Without Sterling actually revealing that it's about Buffalo Bill. And I just like the little, like, boyhood excitement they had of, like, this is so cool. (laughs) It was just really refreshing in a film that is quite dark. Yeah. Just this moment of, like, boyhood excitement from these nerds who are playing beetle checkers. And they're like, we get to help. (laughs) So, yeah. They're going through multiple types of bugs trying to figure out what bug is this. And Dr. Pilger, who's the second guy, asks Sterling what she does when she's not being a detective. She's like, I'm being a student. He asks if she ever goes out for burgers and beers, amusing house wines. And Sterling's like, are you hitting on me? And Pilger just says, yes. And I love that he's just straightforward. Like, (laughs) yep, this is exactly what is happening. Like, let's go. So this is definitely where I was like, they have a history because Sterling was playing along as well, or it felt like she was playing along. Yeah. And it's actually the only time in which you actually get to see her being outside of a professional kind of environment in which she's still being hit on by guys and being treated in this, in this manly kind of dominated way because she's surrounded by guys and she has to be the, the pretty a pretty FBI agent in this case. Yeah. But but you get a sense that she feels more comfortable around these guys than she feels with anyone else. Which made me think that, like, that's why I thought that Pilger and Sterling, and they might still... They might have had a relationship. They might have had a relationship of some form, right? I don't know. You know, maybe they used to date and then they moved away because, you know, they both wanted mm-hmm. to focus on their careers. But, like, they were always friends or like maybe they were just really close friends and always just kind of joked around and never actually got together but like always kind of joked around with each other because like that also happens where you just joke around but like it's that friend that you'll be flirty with but you never actually go on a date with Mm -hmm. so but it kind of felt because she's not defensive that there is a history Mm -hmm. Because she's not defensive. Because we've seen her be defensive mm-hmm. when she's being hit on in a professional environment. And when she's kind of playing along, I'm like, she's okay with this. Like, she knows that this is going to kind of happen. And I think it's really interesting considering that she's be- she's constantly fucking surrounded by men. <laughs> and Does this bother you? <laughs> it's really, I mean, from the point, I mean, you asked me earlier, you know, in, was it this episode, previous episode? In, in, if I were to play Clarice, I would be really annoyed the fact that in every single situation, I need to deal with Hannibal being menacing, the FBI being menacing, and then when I go with my mates, 
one of them is hitting on me. It's just like, please just let... I just want to chill. I just want you to help me. She does have one female friend at the FBI who so far has had about like 10 seconds of screen time. Yeah, she does. But I think I think I think that's a part of which is brilliantly done the idea of that she is on this quest on her own. She is isolated in in so many ways and considering that she you see her past and her upbringing, she feels not not only because she's female but even her upbringing being uh, from a working class neighborhood and all these things she feels in so many ways like the odd one odd one out like the one that is constantly playing catch up and i think in this situation she feels more comfortable with the flirting because she is in her transformation yeah yeah she can deal with it differently maybe maybe yeah. we'll see we'll find out but before we get to find out any more about this pilger sterling situation the other guy rodden i believe his name is they said it quickly, but I'm just going to call him the other guy in case I'm wrong. That's his actual name on the, the other guy. He, yeah. So the other guy finds out that this is Acherontius Styx, or yeah. better known as the Dusthead Moth. Mm-hmm. And it comes from Asia, and that they have to be specifically raised from imported eggs in the USA. That's what makes this very intriguing. And that's how they grew this guy is they fed him honey and nightshade and kept him warm somebody loved him back to this idea of love on the tattoo of buffalo bill's hand doing this act of of what he thinks love is yeah and i think it's really interesting how he forced this cocoon into her throat the idea that he's forcing his own transformation which seems to be really unhealthy compared to Sterling or Hannibal that are just flowing with it and they're growing entirely in an organic way. The other one is trying to force it and trying to do it with his own hands, which makes it more painful. Right. And it, I think with what you just said, it's what's going to be his downfall. Mm. I think because Sterling and Hannibal are allowing the transformation to happen and allowing the bumps of the road to happen, whatever they are, and just allow the course to happen. But rather than trying to force what they think needs to happen is what's going to let the transformation for Hannibal and the transformation for Sterling to actually happen Mm -hmm. compared to Buffalo Bill isn't probably going to get his transformation. Mm. But we haven't gotten that far. I don't know if he does or doesn't. I'm assuming he doesn't. It feels like he shouldn't, and that is my prediction, is that he will get caught Mm -hmm. thanks to Hannibal helping Sterling, but I don't know, we're still not there. So, we then see a massive greenhouse, almost, but it's not a greenhouse, but it's a big room, tons of bugs, moths, and surgical tools. We see mannequins dressed up, and we see Buffalo Bill sitting at his house at what looked like a sewing machine or it felt like it was a sewing machine. All these mannequins, by the way, they're dressed up in elaborate costumes and everything. We hear a woman screaming from somewhere to let her out. And then I notice that he has a cute white fluffy dog. It's like a poodle, but it's not a poodle. I don't really know what type of dog it is, but it's cute and fluffy and white. And it looks like the woman is down the well 
or at least that's where the little cute dog is looking and that's the end of that little segment but a great one shot Mm -hmm. of buffalo bill's house it's a fantastic way to get the feelings you get to see everything that feels like of importance in that house i'm sure we will revisit the house later on in the film but not having it broken up letting it be a one shot it lets the audience also feel like we just took a walk through his house Mm -hmm. and it's very nice like you know we're just seeing it through the lens of the camera but we're the ones experiencing yeah and it's filled with these man-made it's a workshop basically it's this place that he just makes in which he makes himself yeah it's interesting it's interesting And I'm sure that we'll revisit it at some point. But we're back at Quantico, and people are watching the news. We learn that Catherine Martin, the 25-year-old daughter of Senator Ruth Martin, is the blondie who Buffalo Bill captured in Memphis. Everyone's watching the news, and then Ruth comes up on TV. She says Catherine is gentle and kind. Talk to her. You'll see this. You have the power. You're in charge. I know you can feel love, again, that idea of love and compassion. You have a chance to show the world you can be merciful and strong. She pleads for him, whoever took Catherine to return her. And Sterling says that this is smart. Now, what is smart is that in Root's actual speech, every time that I mention her, she's saying Catherine. And by saying Catherine so many times if buffalo bill were to see this he will see Catherine more as a person rather than an object and that will make it harder to tear her up Mm -hmm. didn't know this but makes sense very intriguing and very smart by ruth to try everything in her power to try to bring her daughter back home Mm -hmm. so sterling is back to talk to hannibal chilton is pissed And he's annoyed that it's the third time, so I was right, this is the third time, that she's coming in to conduct an interview without Chilton knowing what is being said. Mm -hmm. This is where I was slightly confused. How does he not know? Don't they have constant security? I imagine in these private conversations, they don't get to listen. And I think that's also part of it as well. The idea that that she has a better relationship with the main asset than he would right so i think it's jealousy as well sure that makes sense but yeah he's very upset and sterling just says look i'm here to do a follow-up chilton is not backing down and sterling just hands him the number of the u.s attorney and says discuss it with him or let me do my job i am loving sterling's transformation i am here for it let's go Mm -hmm. so We then get the third, and this is the last scene that we're going to talk about on this episode. It's another very powerful scene, but we get the third scene with Hannibal, and Sterling tells Hannibal that if his profile helps them catch Buffalo Bill in time to save Catherine, the senator promises Hannibal a transfer to the VA hospital in Oneda Park, New York, with the view of the woods nearby. Maximum security still applies, of course, but he will have access to books, and best of all, one week of the year, he will get to leave the hospital and go to Plum Island, where every day of that week, he can swim in the ocean and walk on the beach for up to one hour under SWAT team surveillance. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. 
It's a good deal. Seems like a good deal. I like how she keeps subtly going, maximum security is still going to be in effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You will still have a SWAT team watching your every move. Like, but you will get these small little perks for helping us out. So Sterling hands him a copy of the case file and says that the offer is non-negotiable and final. Catherine dies, he gets nothing. And I think he's quite, I mean, from watching it, obviously it's not an ideal offer, you know, it's not like you'll be free or anything. But you can, I, I, it's my sense that he is more excited about this than he has been about anything in a long time. It, it actually is quite a motivator yeah. to try and get him talking. So I think he appreciates. Also that the offer is not insulting. It's not, you get to walk outside once every year or anything like this. It's more of a, we'll give you an entire week for you to do exactly what it is you said you wanted to do, which is just have a look outside, go for a swim. Just enjoy a little bit of nature, which is fair enough. Yeah. It's like, hey, you'll get a view and one week a year you can go enjoy nature a little bit. Yeah, basically, yeah. Right. That's all it is. So Hannibal notices that the island apparently has an animal research facility and then Sterling tries to play it off and Hannibal just turns and says there are turns here to quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. Mm -hmm. Not about the case, but about yourself. Mm -hmm. Quid pro quo, yes or no. Sterling agrees. She's breaking the rules again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but at this point, it makes sense of why she's breaking the rules, right? Yeah. She has this relationship and she's like, look, it's this weird intellectual relationship that works for her. So Hannibal asks, what is the worst memory of childhood? And it's what we saw earlier. It's the death of her father. He was a small town marshal. And one night he surprised two burglars who shot him. He wasn't killed outright. He lasted more than a month. Her mother died when she was young. And her father was her whole world. And when he left, she had nothing. She was 10. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, and I think it also kind of shows the idea that doing this case, I actually not thought about this, but doing this case kind of makes her feel close to her dad because she gets to go to West Virginia. She gets to be a law enforcer. She gets to go to the funeral home and she gets to feel close to to back when she was 10, the last time she felt safe. If that makes sense. She felt like she had someone that was looking after her. And I think that doing this case, that's maybe where she's having her transformation. Because she's coming closer closer to the idea of who she was before the bad things happened. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, she's kind of integrating herself in a way. Which is really interesting. Fair enough. So, quid pro quo. Hannibal asks if the West Virginia girl was large yes big through the hips apparently they all were sterling reveals that there was an object deliberately inserted into her throat hasn't been made public because they don't know what it means and hannibal asks if it's a butterfly sterling says yes a moth they're not the same thing (laughs) they're similar 
but you can't call a moth a butterfly. That's almost like you're calling smooth and crunchy peanut butter the same thing. They're not the same. They're similar, but they are vastly different. Well, that goes with the idea of Buffalo Bill getting his transformation wrong, isn't it? I the, think so. Yeah, the idea that everyone, like Clarice, gets to be a butterfly because she's doing, she's following things in a healthy way. And Buffalo Bill that is doing these things is actually going to end up being a moth instead of an actual butterfly. Which is quite interesting. Which is very interesting, but again, they're not the same thing. And I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm hurt that Sterling, who has been so accurate and so right, just tried to pass them off as the same thing. <laughs> they're not the same thing. Sterling, you're better than this. Like, you should know better. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities, sure. But they're not the same. Otherwise, they'd just be called butterflies and we wouldn't have anything called a moth. Mm-hmm. So... Sterling does reveal that they just found one in Benjamin's head an hour ago. And Sterling asks, why does he place them there? Which makes me realize his first killing, Buffalo Bill's first killing, was probably Benjamin. Yeah. Who wasn't a woman. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. I'm still confused about that. I think it goes with this idea of transformation and his idea of of our gender fluidity, I think, is part of it. That he went from killing men to killing women. And he's making what we saw was using female skin as a costume. So I think it could be part of it, maybe. Maybe. I hmm? have no... Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. But Hannibal says the significance of the moth is change. Caterpillar into chrysalis or pupae and then into beauty. Mm-hmm. Which is true. Moths are still beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? They're considered the dirtier of the two between butterflies and moths. But they are still beautiful creatures and have some wonderful patterns. And he also says our belly wants to change too. What? Do you know what that meant? The value wants to change too. I thought he said our belly, but our value makes a lot more sense. Belly? I actually have no idea what you mean or what he meant by belly. He may have said value and just Anthony Hopkins accent in this. I couldn't place what it meant. What it was. Yeah, he has his Hannibal Lecter voice. (laughs) Yeah. No idea. Let's go with value because value makes more sense. I've got no idea. Okay, (laughs) but fair enough. Keep going. Sure. Yeah. So Sterling says that there is no correlation in literature between transsexualism and violence. Transsexuals tend to be passive. And Hannibal says she's close to the way that she's going to catch him and asks if she realizes that and then kind of jokes and goes, well, obviously you don't. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize this. And I think is really interesting. I know this film has gotten quite a bit of hate as being transphobic, as being a transphobic film. Has it? Yeah, because the villain obviously has this gender fluid thing going on. But what is really interesting is that Hannibal notes that transgender people are not violent. He very clearly states that Buffalo Bill is his own creation his own creation his own thing yeah we'll get to that at the end of this scene he mentions that but it's also like sterling going you know they're not violent Mm -hmm. and i don't 
as someone who is watching this film for the first time, I don't feel like it's being transphobic. No, it doesn't feel true. I mean, it's my just... opinion of it, right? And my opinion is my opinion, but at least in my opinion, it's showing just the story of someone who might be transsexual and want to change their gender, not given the opportunity to do that, and then trying to take it into their own hands and going to the extreme to try to take the transformation that they want to have into their own hands. Yeah, and having said that, I actually don't think... I I wouldn't class him as anything to do with transgenderism or anything. I would just think that Buffalo Bill... I mean, I think they say it at some point in in this conversation that he dislikes himself. Yeah, they say that very soon. So we're, we're almost there. But real quick, before we get to this whole discussion that we can delve deeper into as we learn a bit more, because it's just mentioned offhandedly very quickly. But before we really get any answers from Hannibal, Hannibal asks another question about Sterling. And says, you know, what happened after your father was murdered and you were orphaned? Sterling reveals she went to go live with her mother's cousin and her husband in Montana at a sheep and horses ranch. And I was like, baby lambs, maybe. Like, we'll figure it out. Lambs are babies. I realized as I just said, lambs. So, but she lived there for two months and then she ran away. Hannibal asks if it's because the rancher made her perform fellatio, abused her. And she was like, no, he was a decent man. And then we get back into quid pro quo, into the conversation that we were just having, that Hannibal says Buffalo Bill isn't a real transsexual, but thinks that he is. He expects he's tried to be a lot of things. And that there are three major hospitals for transsexual surgery in the U.S. At least at this time, this may have changed now in 30 years but at the time it was johns hopkins the university of minnesota and columbus medical center interesting that they're all on the east coast slash the middle of the u.s just an interesting thing that i noted i don't know if that has anything to do but maybe that's why most of this film is taking place on the east coast because that's where buffalo bill has also kind of set up shop because on the off chance that he got accepted he wanted to have be able to go to these places but he wouldn't be surprised if buffalo bill applied for surgery in one or all of these hospitals and was rejected at all of them yeah i think there's a lot in the film especially buffalo bill about self-acceptance and i think sterling does it she accepts herself and the more she does it the more powerful she is Hannibal kind of similarly in a way the more he accepts his own violent nature the more empowered he is but with Buffalo Bill he just yeah he doesn't accept who he is whoever that that may be and I think he tries to um to find his solution in killing all these women and making himself in in this abstract man-made way like taking skin and all these things he's creating this costume for him to be someone he isn't he's not introspective it's more of a man-made thing which is what i think yeah i mean i i i think that he fits more into a very 
messed up human being for many, many reasons other than just a gender reason. I think he uses gender as a way of escaping. Yeah. But not really because he it would fix anything. It's just because I think anything that is not being himself would would be a relief to Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I don't think that gender is the main thing no, that's fueling no, no, no. him here, right? He just wants to be something someone else. Yeah. Someone else. And yeah, again, like I don't and maybe this will change but i don't think that the film is trying to be transphobic no I, I don't even think that buffalo bill is interested in i think he's been rejected for very valid reasons because he's mentally unstable exactly and that's what hannibal continues to mention he was rejected due to severe childhood disturbances associated with violence he wasn't born a criminal but made one through years of systematic abuse Buffalo Bill hates his own identity, and he thinks that that's what makes him a transsexual. And I think you could, in this conversation show, Buffalo Bill as someone who grew up with, you know, a very messed up childhood, and Sterling having her own messed up childhood, and how she used it to build herself up when by accepting it and just kind of using it as a motivator. And when you see Buffalo Bill, he's done the opposite he's rejected it neglected it and just gone away to try and and escape his own his own upbringing yeah yeah and the thought that i'll leave everyone on this episode is the last little bit that hannibal says that even though all of this is happening right and you know buffalo bill has allowed this to fester and that's why he thinks that he needs to be somebody else because he isn't good enough by being himself but rather what the scary thing is is that his pathology is a thousand times more savage and terrifying than what he is right now or what he thinks he should be and it's Another incredible scene with Hannibal and Sterling. Another great shot as Hannibal's explaining this last little bit about transsexuality and all of this stuff about the hospitals and Buffalo Bill. We see, I think for the first time, we are in. Like, we feel like we're in the cell with Hannibal. And I think this is the first time the camera is actually in the cell. I don't think it is the very first time that it's in the cell because I think a couple of the shots like it were yeah. in the cell. It's the first scene where I think we're in the cell. Yeah. But there are a couple shots where we're it we're definitely in the cell, but it doesn't feel like we're in the cell. Mm-hmm. But the shot that I'm talking about specifically is at the end of this scene where we are looking at Sterling from the from inside. inside of yeah. the cell. And we see Hannibal's reflection. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time that we see that. And that was very powerful. I'm not really sure why they would make that decision of at this specific moment. I'm not sure. I'm intrigued to find out why I think. Because this is as far as I've seen. I have zero idea what's happening past this. I think it may be because in the very first scenes, you kind of had Sterling observing and analyzing Hannibal and Hannibal is the subject in most of these cases when in this situation because of the quid pro quo 
the subject is really sterling so yeah. she's the one that is being because the way this the cell is kind of made is almost like a zoo you know you can see through the glass and all these things are these creatures inside and in this situation i think the one that you're looking at is sterling and her upbringing and how she is in many ways similar to hannibal in many ways similar to buffalo bill but she has made the decisions to not be using violence as her ways of coping through her path through life basically yeah yeah i think she she's used it in a healthy way unlike the other two fair enough well we will find out how healthy of a way that is soon yeah and i can't wait to watch the rest of this movie okay so what do you think is going to happen what do i think is going to happen i still feel pretty confident about my earlier prediction it feels like that part is coming true that hannibal is helping out and you know he i was right he didn't cooperate right away now he's kind of cooperating and you know sterling is gonna break the rules she has broken probably every rule that they had at this point other than don't give him something sharp and you know that hannibal's gonna help capture bill i think what's gonna happen is that by the end hannibal will help capture bill but i think Actually, no, I do think that he will help capture Bill in time to save Catherine Mm -hmm. because I've seen the movie poster. And why would they put the mask on the character if we never see the mask in the film? Mm -hmm. Although it would be a very interesting thing that they could have done. But I think that he does help. He does get to get his transfer. Mm -hmm. I think sterling finally gets the respect that she deserves yeah and but i feel like there's gonna be one or two twists and turns that's gonna throw everything for a loop Mm -hmm. and i feel like what's gonna happen i think the biggest twist is that buffalo bill is someone that sterling knows from her past Mm. i think that it's just I don't know why I'm getting that feeling, but I feel like it's gonna come out that Buffalo Bill is someone that she knows from her past. I don't know why I'm getting that feeling. I can't really explain why I'm getting that feeling, but I've kind of had that feeling throughout mm-hmm. watching the first half of this that I'm like, I feel like the way that he's hinting, the way that Hannibal's hinting at Buffalo Bill it makes me almost think that Sterling should know who this is already. Just the way that he talks about Buffalo Bill to her specifically. Granted, we never see him talk to anybody else. Mm -hmm. But the way that he's phrasing certain things, it's just giving me that small little inkling that she should already kind of know who this is. So I think that's going to be like one of the big twists that happens. So you think Sterling is going to solve the case? I think Sterling's going to solve the case. She's going to get the respect that she deserves. That Buffalo Bill is someone she knew. And you think that Hannibal is going to get his transfer to the other place and be able to see the ocean once a week. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think things are going to turn out well for our two protagonists in the film. And I don't think that things are going to turn out well for the antagonist in Buffalo Bill. Also, I'm not completely sure if you would call Hannibal a 
protagonist or not, but he is one of the main characters, and yeah. So, but I think things are going to turn out the way that they should for Sterling and Hannibal, and things are not going to end well for Buffalo Bill, but I think that there is a big twist that still needs to happen, because otherwise, the last hour of this movie is going to be way too predictable, and if it's as good as a film as everyone has ever told me that it is, and how good of a film that you have mm-hmm. spoken of yeah. it very highly... I cannot imagine that the last hour of this movie is going to be predictable. Nah, I think I think <laughs> I think you're going to enjoy it. Fair enough. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining. If people want to find you on the internet doing stuff, how can they do so? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram as danielc.actor and they can find me they can find me of the in in the streets of London if they look closely enough. I'm Lovely. always I'm always lurking, so I'll be. I'll He's be always watching. around. It's terrifying. Yeah. I gotta I gotta make sure when I'm on my bicycle, like just make sure that he's not on the bike right behind me, like just following me around. Or I'll catch but, you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for Anyways, joining. Mate, thank you for having me. Of course, and listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later. Lovely. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Magira. I also run the social media. Our editor is Pranav Nair, and the music is by Ankit Magira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Jared Rothman. If you would like to support the show and get access to some bonus content like notes and bonus audio, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at postfinalepod on all three if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. Reach out and say, hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch more movies. Check out this new podcast. The host tends to be kind of funny. Talk about us on social media, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you use to listen to the show. All of these things help, and I appreciate all of you that have done this already or will do this in the future. And I'm just thankful that you joined us for this episode. Be sure to join us next week as Daniel returns and we continue our discussion of Balance of the Lambs. And until next time, catch y'all later.